there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. If change of being was easy, we'd do it in our sleep, because that's the best place to do it. If change of being was possible to do it in our sleep, then that's what we'd want to do. You know, I read when, when I was a child, I read uh, that Edgar Cayce, when he was in school, he had difficulty with his, with his lessons. So he would take the books and he'd put them under his pillow and he'd sleep on them at night. And then he'd learn his lessons that way. So I tried that. <laughs> I didn't do well in school. <laughs> I really, academically, I was not very good in school. Until I found something that I really loved. And then I was excellent. But if it was just something that I could see no value in, I wasn't good at it. And so this is a, a lesson about valuation. We have to learn to value this work because until we can value it, really value it, we won't be good at it. Change of being isn't easy. It's got to be done consciously and with vision. We act from a non-conscious negative place, usually. We react in life. To say we act is really not a correct way of saying it because we actually react. We don't actually act. If we actually acted, it would be different because we would have to have some awareness of what we were going to do in order to act. But when we react, that's just a knee-jerk reaction. Some, if you cross your legs and the doctor comes over and he taps you with a little rubber mallet on the knee in a certain place and your foot jumps, that's a reaction. We have those knee-jerk reactions like that in life. But if we could act consciously, we could change our level of being. But we don't because we think it's going to be easy and we don't value the thing that is going to show us how to overcome the not easy part of it. We need vision. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it reads in the New American Standard, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. This is interesting because unrestrained seems like a good thing. We think about unrestrained and it's like, well, that can't be bad, but Think about a dam when you restrain water for a good cause. Think about a glass when you pour water into it for a good cause to drink it. You restrain the water. You restrain the water with the dam and with the glass. It's not a bad thing. Think about not expressing negative emotions. You restrain yourself from re not expressing negative emotions. It doesn't have to be a, a negative restraint. Restraint can be a positive thing. It can be restraint for a purpose. If you think about restraining the, constricting and restraining the flow of water through a hose, what does that do? Well, it builds up more pressure so that you have more pressure with the water. So it builds up the pressure of the water, and it's a positive restraint. It's a good thing. Not all restraint is negative, although we tend to look at it negatively. We resist restraint. But when you have vision, when you can see why something is the way it is, then you can restrain positively with positive results. Nicole said, the work is always tempting us and so making us negative. I just want to stop right here and let that sink in. Maurice Nicole, in his commentary, said, the work is always tempting us 
and so making us negative. Wait a second, what is this? I thought we were supposed to be changing our being. Now, you're telling me that the work is always tempting us and making us negative? Yes, I'm telling you that. I'm telling you that straight out like that because he said it straight out like that. And I'm telling you straight out like that because we have a tendency to pretend that the work is something other than what it is. We have a, a tendency to pretend to pretend that it's this pill that we take and then we just get better naturally. And it's not that way at all. The work challenges us. The work tests us. The work tempts us. What does it tempt us to do? Well, it tempts us to do something with awareness rather than unconsciously. It tempts us to look at ourselves in a new light and see things that we never wanted to see about ourselves before. It tempts us and so makes us negative because when we see those things, about ourselves that we have been hiding from ourselves for all these years, we tend to get negative. When we have these situations arise and it tempts us to deal with it positively, we get negative because it doesn't work at first. And when things don't work, we get negative. Have you noticed that? When things don't work, we get negative. Well, I, I, I'm doing this now. I'm coming to this class. I'm reading this book. Uh, why isn't my life perfect? Well, because that's not how things work in this world. That's why. Your life is perfect, but you're the one who fails to see it. Your life is perfect right now, but not to you. Because you have made up your mind that this is not it. It's got to be some other way in order for me to be happy. Because this just isn't right. No, I didn't say it was right. I said it was perfect. There's a difference. Perfect means whole. Your life is whole and perfect. It's not right. And it's not wrong. It is what it is. There's nothing either good or bad except thinking makes it so, I believe Shakespeare said. It's a good thing to remember. Maurice Nicole also said, temptation is when we doubt the end. Paul, a great spreader of Pauline Christianity in the world, said, the fire will test the quality of each man's work. So temptation, negativity, tests the quality of our work. We work because we can. And temptation and negativity test the quality of our work. And it shows us the areas where we need to work more. And it shows us the areas where we have had success. And this is a good thing. But thinking makes it a bad thing. Oh, I'm not getting what I want. Oh, it's not fast enough. All that is thinking. Who said that? Who said it's not fast enough? Who said you should be different? Who said those things? And why are you paying attention to that voice? You need inner awareness and start to see that for what it is. It's just a voice. It's a disembodied voice. And if you give voice to it, you're giving a body to it. And then you've just doubled your trouble. Temptation is when we doubt the end. And that is what that is, isn't it? When we say, well, it's not fast enough. We're doubting the end. We think we aren't going to be able to make it. How many times have you said to yourself, I'm never going to make it. I'm, I'm just not going to make it. There's not enough time. I'm just not, I do, I'm not good enough. I just have too much stuff. My wagon full of rocks has lost all four wheels, and I'm dragging it up a hill, and now the hill's steeper. In fact, I think it's a plank that somebody has greased, and now they're tilting it so that the angle is harder and harder. And it's, I'm not going to make it. That's doubting the end. But the truth is, there is no doubt about the end. The end will come. The end will be. This is the end. You are living the end right now. This is the end of something in your life. This is the end of that moment. This is the end of that. This is the end of something. This is it, and it will come. It always comes. The end will come. But what we doubt is what will be in the end. You will be in the end. That which cannot be destroyed, that which cannot be changed, will be in the end. Doubt sucks like a vacuum. 
It's interesting. If you create a vacuum and then you break the seal on that vacuum, you'll hear this sucking sound. <laughs> because doubt sucks like a vacuum. It's easy to give up, to think things are useless, to think negatively. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. That's just like breaking the seal on a vacuum. And all that rushes in. And you see, that's what we are creating here with this work. We're creating a sort of a vacuum. We're creating a, a place where we're kind of hermetically sealed, where we seal ourselves off from the negative things that want to have expression in us. We seal ourselves off from those things. But as soon as we break that seal, everything rushes in again. And we think, oh, I failed. The seal's broken and now I failed. No. This is all part of the process of breathing. You let the air out, you expel air, you expire, and then you inhale, you inspire. You inspire, you expire. That's what breathing is. So you create a vacuum by pushing the air out, and then you allow the vacuum to be filled by drawing air back in. It's a process. There's nothing wrong with the process. And each time, something happens. Each time you expel waste, and each time you inhale fresh air that nourishes your cells and your body. It's a beautiful thing. We don't resist breathing, yet we resist internal breathing, the breathing of life, the flow of life inside of us. As we get rid of the poisons, the toxins that we have stored in our negative center, in our pain body, and then we inhale fresh, clean impressions, and we allow those, and, and what happens with those? Well, they get dirty. They go through internally, they go through our internal body, and they start to, because they're clean, they start to collect all the gunk and the junk. And then we let that out again, and then we breathe in some more. This is what's happening. This is the process. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be judgmental about. You're on the right track. You are doing it. You've just lost your vision. You've just become a little myopic. You've just gotten narrow-minded. You've got blinders on like they used to put on horses back when they pulled carts. They used to put these blinders on horses so that other horses and things on the sides didn't distract the horse, scare the horse, and the horse would go running off. We must remember to say to ourselves, I can work. I don't care how awful your situation is. Remember to say to yourself, I can work. I can work. It must reach deeper and deeper inside of us. As we cleanse these negative emotions, these negative associations, these negative thoughts, as we cleanse these things, that means we need fresh impressions and fresh valuation so that it can bring up more. Because there's more, but it's deeper and deeper down inside. Now we're just scrubbing the outside. Later we'll get to the inside. Now we're, we're working on the inside. Later we'll get deeper. Now we're working deeper. Later we'll get even deeper. But it's just that this stuff keeps coming up. There is an end to it. Don't doubt the end. There is an end to it. Don't doubt the end. You are purifying yourself. This work is purifying you. These ideas, these esoteric ideas, this, is, this ancient wisdom is purifying you. It's potent. It's powerful. It has the power to cleanse you, to purify you, to wash you clean so that you can be clean. And when you're clean, you're full of light, you're full of life, and you're full of equanimity. When you're unclean, you're not. So that means you need to get clean. And that's what this work is for. That's the process that we're involved in. And it's a process, like breathing. It's okay to exhale all this negativity to get rid of it and to inhale something fresh and start all over again. But it all turned negative. No, it didn't turn negative. It soaked up the negativity that you've stored and it releases it. It washes it away. Just allow it to go. Don't resist it. We must see ourselves associated 
with our work aim. See, we see ourselves, but we don't see ourselves associated with our work aim. And when we do see ourselves associated with work, with our work aim, with our plan, with our own individual direction, we tend to see ourselves negatively. We tend to see what we're not doing correctly. That's not holding to our work aim because we have lost our separateness. When we see ourselves in connection with our work aim, with our, with our plan, with our individual direction, we need to see ourselves out there, not in here. When we see ourselves in here, we see all the negativity that we've stored up in here with it, and we think that we're failing. But to have vision, we need to see from outside, from separate. So we see ourselves in connection with our work aim, and we see that it is a process that's ongoing. And we're not in the process, but we're watching the process. You see the difference? That's having vision. If we don't see ourselves associated with a work game, we're just in ordinary life, and we're not thinking about our aim or our, our plan or our individual direction, there's nothing to work on. Because we're identified with everything. We're identified with life. There's nothing to work on. When you're identified with life, there's nothing to work on. When you're identified with yourself, there's nothing to work on. When you're identified with your, with your story, there's nothing to work on. When you're identified with little me, oh, poor me, there's nothing to work on. When you're identified with, oh, I'm so great, there's nothing to work on. It's only when you can step apart from it that you have something to work on it and see what it is in relationship to the work, to the work ideas that you've seen, that you've studied, that you've practiced, that you've verified. When you can see those two things together, then you have vision. Otherwise, there's nothing to work on. Our plan enables us to act consciously in regard to our inner world and what we allow to happen in it. We have a choice about what happens on, in our inner world when we have inner awareness. If we don't have inner awareness, we don't have inner choice. How can you possibly have inner choice if everything is a knee-jerk reaction? But when you have some inner awareness, you have some inner choice. In our inner world, we need to see that others are mirrors for us. We don't often look at people as mirrors. We see people as people, but they're not. They are reflections in the water. They are reflections in the shiny object. They're reflections in the mirror. And they're reflections of us, but we don't recognize what we're seeing because we don't know that it is us. It's like we don't know ourselves. You know, it's an interesting thing. They just found out that elephants are self-aware. That if you put a dot, a paint spot on an elephant's head and the elephant sees it in the mirror, the elephant will take its trunk and not touch the mirror, but touch the dot on its head. They just figured this out. They just found this out. This is huge. If you've ever noticed a dog or a cat, they see themselves in a mirror, they bark at it. The cat will swat it, the dog will bark at it because they don't know it's them. But the elephant knew that the dot was on its head. And it didn't touch the dot on the mirror, it touched the dot on its head. A cat might touch the dot on the, the cat's head in the mirror, but it wouldn't see it as its own head. So this is big, and this is what we have, or we're supposed to have. So we can look in a mirror and see that we've got something on our face, or put on our makeup, or do whatever it is, shave, or do whatever it is we do. But we can't look in the mirror that other people are for us and see what we've got on our face, and see what we need to do, what we need to shave, what we need to fix. Instead, we look at them and we're just like the cat or the dog. We point to them and we swat them. And so we, we, we need to stop this and we have the power to stop this. But we have to wake up to this. We have to give our attention and our inner awareness to this idea that, look, that is a mirror. Stop calling them people. Start calling them mirrors. Inner awareness of our direction in the midst of difficulties increases the power of consciousness in us and creates new energy. So Arthur's question was, well, what do I do? And Curtis's question, well, what do I do when the pain body is active and I want to get away from it? 
Well, inner awareness of our direction in the midst of difficulties increases the power of consciousness in us and creates new energy. Well, what is our direction? Our direction is this work. Our direction is the direction of awareness. Our direction is the direction of expanding consciousness. Our direction is the direction of changing our being. That is our direction. That is why we're here. You're not here to go to job, your job. You're not here to, to, make, to go to dinner tonight and do this. Those are just peripheral things. What you are here for, your real purpose, is to change your being, to become aware, to become more and more aware and more and more conscious so that when you look at someone else, you don't see someone else. You see your reflection in the mirror that they are. I don't want to do that. Well, then don't. Then go back to the street and suffer some more. And when you've had enough, then come back. If you haven't had enough suffering, if you still need more suffering before you start to value the cure, then go suffer some more. It's like a toothache. If you haven't had enough pain to go to the dentist, then wait. When your jaw explodes or when you, know, when, when you, can't, when you absolutely can't tolerate it anymore, then you'll go and have the work done. And that's how this is. There's no compulsion here. You're not compelled to do this. Life doesn't demand that you do this. Your suffering, your own suffering, will bring you to it. Suffering is necessary. It wakes us up momentarily. We return to it quickly enough, but still. Allowing negative states to smolder allows them to grow and burn up right connections that we're trying to establish. You know, when I, when I was a child, I, I was raised on the East Coast, and it was in a northern state, so we had the Four Seasons, and when fall came, there were a lot of trees, and so the leaves would all fall. And one of the jobs that the kids had would be to rake up the leaves into big piles. Do you remember this? And then you'd play in the piles of leaves. Oh, man, we'd have a blast. Rolling in the leaves, jumping in the leaves, crawling through the leaves. And then we'd rake them all up again. And then an adult would come out and set them on fire. Now, they wouldn't burn like boosh, big flame. They'd just kind of smolder. There'd just be this smoke all over the place and this smoldering piles of leaves as people burn them. And that reminded me of this, allowing negative states to smolder. They don't have to be burning out of control to be damaging. They don't have to be burning out of control to obfuscate our vision. So we're talking about vision and how important vision is. Your vision, being able to see when you look at another person, being able to see that you're looking into a mirror and to have the vision to see that this is you. To be able to step outside of yourself and look at yourself, what you've been able to see in other people as the mirror and your work aim together is vision. All of this is vision. And remember, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. We will not work if we have no vision. We must have vision to work. If you're in a stupor, if you're languishing, if you're in a place where you're just showing up and, you're, and you've lost your aliveness and you've lost your sparkle and, you've, and the fizz has gone out of your champagne and the bubble's gone out of your pop, then what I have to say is you've lost your vision. And it's nobody's fault except yours because you are the one who has to open your eyes. You can't expect someone else to have vision for you. You can't expect to live off of someone else's vision. Oh, well, he has the vision. No, you need to have the vision. It's up to you. It's your job. When we allow these negative states to smolder in us, when we don't deal with them, when they go unchecked, what happens is they burn up all the right connections that the work wants to make in us. And the right connections are the connections that allow us to go and meet with a person who is being particularly obstreperous, they've had a hard day or they're upset or something didn't go well with them or you don't even know what and they yell at you and for no reason that you can tell. 
Nobody, I didn't do anything. This person's yelling at me. They, why are they yelling at me? When you've got these right connections already made up ahead of time, then you just look at it, well, I guess they're just having a bad day. And you can give them the soft answer that will turn away their wrath. Or you can allow it to just pass through you and say nothing at all. And just smile and say, well, is there, is there anything I can do to help you through this? That is right connections. Do you see the difference between that and the bad connections, the, the, the wrong connections that we already have from life that life taught us? We can make right connections. Inner awareness is the key to getting ourselves rightly connected to the highest part of our being. Our being includes a lot of stuff. It, can, it includes the negative. It includes the work. It includes positive. It, can, it includes happy. It includes sad. It includes a lot of things. But our job is to find the highest ground of our being the highest part of our being, and to try and live there, and to try and make connections there, and to try and allow the influences from that part of us, and the parts of higher centers that it touches, that the highest part of our being touches, to allow those things to fall on us, and feed us, and nourish us, and cleanse us. It's like going outside, and, and, and allowing the rain to just wash you. If you've ever just felt all depressed and funky and, and it's rained and you go outside and just allow the rain to fall on you. Just allow yourself to be in the element of water. Just allow yourself to feel the natural flow of, and trickle of water down your face and over your body. Then you have an idea of what I'm talking about. There are higher influences available to us. And I'm not talking about physical things, but I'm talking about psychological things and spiritual things that can wash us and cleanse us. Allow yourself to get in touch with those things. Allow your, and the way you do that is by going to the highest ground that you have in your being, the highest part of your being that you can find. Once we're properly connected, force flows from the higher to the lower. To what end? You remember what Nicole said? Temptation is when we doubt the end. When we allow force to flow from the higher to the lower, to what end? Well, I'll tell you to what end. This force begins to dissolve the accumulated negative goo that hinders our forward motion and gums up the right connections that coat everything. And then everything we touch gets that goo on it. It's like having honey on your hands and everything you touch gets sticky. This is what negative emotions are like. They're clinging just like honey, sticky. And everything we touch starts to get negative. And we turn more and more negative internally if we allow that to happen. But getting in touch with these higher forces, uh, it's like washing that honey off. It's like cleansing ourselves of that, feeling fresh and clean and smooth again without having to stick to everything we touch. Inner awareness brings new light. New light increases our consciousness. Inner light helps us to keep our vision. One of the things that you must know by now is that when it's dark, your vision is obscured. When it's light, your vision is increased. So if we're reading and we are having trouble reading what's on the page, more light often helps. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we need magnifying glasses, and then we need more light and magnifying glasses. Okay, then thank God for magnifying glasses and more light. Use them. When we lose our vision, we encourage inner and outer darkness. How can we encourage inner and outer darkness by losing our vision? When we lose our vision, we're not seeing things as they are. We're seeing things as they were. When we see things as they were, we're not seeing things as they are. And when we're not seeing things as they are, we have no real vision. That encourages inner and outer darkness. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. Jesus said that in John chapter 9, verse 4. Look, as long as it's day, as long as we have light, then we have to do the work that, we, that has been given us to do. 
This work has been given to us. You have been blessed with this work. I don't know why you are so fortunate, but it is not for everyone. Not everyone can accept this, but you have been able to. You have found this. It has found you. This is an incredible, huge blessing. If your vision was unobscured, you would live in the gratitude of just knowing that you have this work. Just being able to say to yourself, I can work. I can work. It doesn't matter what the situation. It doesn't matter how difficult it seems to be. I can work. I have this work. I have these ideas. I can do something. It may not be much, but I can work. There are millions of people who don't have access to this for one reason or another. You do. If that doesn't put you in a state of gratitude, you have no vision. In darkness, we don't work on ourselves, our aims, nor with others, and our automatic disliking of others. Nor do we value the work and its ancient source, keeping it alive between our hands. John chapter 4, verse 35, it says, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. Lift up your eyes. This is all about vision. Lift up your eyes. If you're looking down, if you're looking back, if you're looking at something negative, you're not lifting up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look and see that your whole life is a field that's white for harvest. You can work in any part of that field you want to. There's so many places to work, but we take it as a terrible thing. Oh, I have so much work to do. I'm so bad. I'm so awful. Everything's so horrible. No, it's white for harvest. You can work anywhere you want. And more will grow up in its place after you've harvested that. Well, that's horrible. When will it stop? Who cares? This is what we have to do. It's day. We have the light of consciousness now. Let's work. This is the work that's been given us to do. Let's do it. Let's not worry about putting our hand on the plowshare and looking back. Let's do the work. I can work. You can work. It's a new day. It's a fresh moment. It's a fresh experience. It's a fresh instant. Be in this one and work in this one. Give the work your attention. That's what it means to lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Give the work your attention. Give these ideas your attention. Put hands to the task. Two hands mean inner and outer consciousness. Consciousness of yourself and consciousness of others. This is the two hands of this work. Inner awareness and awareness of others. And if you have an awareness of others as mirrors that are reflecting you, you have something to work on. You can get your hands on that. And working with two hands is better than working with one hand. Working with just inner awareness, that's fine but it's, you won't get as much done. Working just being aware of others, that's fine, but you won't get as much done. When you put both hands to the task, you'll get more done. You come to a meeting once a week or twice a week, and you think of the work. But if we think of the work once a week at a meeting, then it must be taught again and again. It will never work that way. I'll just tell you right now, it will never work. People who listen to podcasts once a week, it will never work for them. Not if that's all they do. They have to do more, just like we have to do more. You must Work in first, second, and third lines of work. You've got to do this inside of yourself in order to generate internal heat, esoteric faith. What are the three lines of work? Work with yourself, work with others, and work for the value of the work. In other words, work for the world. You don't just work for yourself, and you don't, and you don't just work with others. You work for the world. Because whatever you do, whatever you add to the light, is added to the light of the world. And that's what this work is for. It's to add to the light of the world. It's to redeem mankind. It's to give us the opportunity to develop beyond the animal to something else that we don't know what it is yet. Don't expect to survive only on the vision of others. It's a poor state of being and a poor state of understanding. You need to increase your state of being. You need to increase your understanding. If you're expecting to survive simply on my vision, it's not enough for you. You're going to have to have your own. 
Ospensky asked, what have you done since the last meeting? What have you seen? What have you understood? What have you noticed? Silence was the answer. Ospensky had the same problem. Gurdjieff had the same problem. Jesus had the same problem. Buddha had the same problem. When he asked the right questions, the answer was silence. People didn't have an answer because they didn't work. They lost their vision. What makes a man want to go on? In life, he wants to rival someone. That's what makes us go on. We want to be better than somebody else. We want to have more money. We want to have a better position. It's all competition and rivalry. That's what makes a man go on in life. You must pass the place where life things are no good. What happens is, in this work, we get to the place where we see life is no good. We look at life things as no good. We go, what's the point? I don't want to rival. I don't want to confront. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be negative. I don't want to do that. But we've got to get past that place. It's not enough to stay there. If you stay there, you lose your vision. If you stay there, you're in a vacuum. And it's not a good vacuum. It's like being lost in space. You're just floating around, insulated so that you're not in life and you're not of life. Inner positive attention is necessary. You've got to want to change. And it's got to be more than wanting to change. You've got to wish to change. It's got to be a strong desire based in esoteric faith that there is an end, that there is a goal, that there is an aim, that there is something for you to do here. You are here for a reason. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. No matter how little you think of yourself, no matter how little the world thinks of you, you have a purpose. Think of the greatest men in the world has ever known. And you'll realize that the greatest men the world has never known. They've never known the greatest men. Not really. They didn't really know Jesus. That's why they crucified him. They didn't really know Buddha. They didn't really know Gandhi. That's why they shot him. They didn't really know these people. So the greatest men are the men the world has never known. Has the world known you? No. The world has not known you. Do you have the possibility of being the greatest man, the greatest woman, and certainly the greatest that you can be because you have a destiny? If you fulfill your destiny... Whatever that destiny is, then you will become the greatest man or the greatest woman that you can be. That's your destiny. If you didn't have something definite to do on this earth, you wouldn't be here. It's just that simple. But, as I said, you've got to mix this with, that, with esoteric faith. When you think about it, think about you are here with a definite purpose. You have something to do. Is that a negative idea or a positive idea? It's a positive idea. Negative ideas are not going to feed you. Negative ideas are not going to change your being. Positive ideas are going to change your being. Positive ideas are what are going to affect you, not negative ideas. Negative ideas are going to affect you negatively. Negative breeds negative. It's just the way it is. In life, we find many undesirable, uncomfortable things. We find many undesirable, uncomfortable things about ourselves when we're doing this work. This must become a positive idea and not a negative one. It's easy to find fault with ourselves in certain ways. That's a negative idea. We can't change through negative ideas. Misery and self-accusations are negative. Don't listen to the miserable eyes that want to drag you down. Let them pass right over you. You don't need to make them meaningful. You don't need to give them your attention or your energy. Gurdjieff said, There is much in everyone that seeks to destroy him. He had an economy of words, and you'd never know it by reading Beelzebub's Tales to his grandson, but that says a lot. Look at the things in you that seek to destroy you, and mostly their thoughts and feelings. They're not even yours, but you call them yours. You call the things that seek to destroy you your own. And they're not. They don't belong to you. You didn't think them. You didn't feel them. They just came in through an open door. And we are born into life with five open doors. They're called the five senses. And those five open doors collect more garbage and junk and dust and filth 
than it seems it's ever possible for one man to get rid of. But this work has a cleansing, purifying quality, and it helps you to do it so that you don't have to do it alone. Through inner awareness and shock, the shock of this work, you see the cause of all negative emotions and states is you. When you really begin to get it, you see that you're the cause of it all. You don't have to, re you don't have to remind yourself, well, that person's just a mirror, because you know that it's in you. Negative states create negative states in ourselves and others. It's like Curtis said this morning. You know, my negative states, my pain body affects the pain body of others and hurts them. Try not to speak to people as if they could do. If you think about how you talk to people, you talk to people as if they could actually do. It's, it's really absurd when you think about it. But that's just it. We don't think about it. Don't blame them for not doing. Think about the people you blame for not doing. Well, he didn't do this, and he didn't do that, and she didn't do this, and she didn't do that. Well, if she did what I said, it's all a matter of doing, isn't it? It's all based on doing. Not just what you think they should do, but the very fact that you think they can do. Thinking someone can do is a negative idea. Not blaming them for what they can't do, for not doing, is a positive idea. To see, we must work on our own negative emotions. Stop identifying. That's a positive idea. Work on your own negative emotions. Stop identifying. That's a positive idea. If you want to see, if you want your vision back, then that's what you need to do. Others can't do any more than we can. Is it hard for you? Is it like so hard sometimes it's impossible? Okay, that's how it is for others. Cut them the same amount of slack that you don't cut yourself. Stop criticizing them as if they could do. Stop criticizing yourself as if you could do. These are also positive ideas. Don't live an inflexible life of thinking others could be different. Accept your situation intelligently, remembering that others are mirrors of ourselves. Let them show you what you need to see in yourself and become aware of it. Your job is to become aware of it, not to attack it there, not to be like the cat that swats the mirror, not to be like the dog that barks at its image in the, at its image in the mirror. Have a little more intelligence like that, flexible intelligence. Understand, I'm seeing myself here. I'm looking in a mirror. This person is my mirror. And thank them for mirroring you. We can all become more conscious. We can all have more force. I can work. We can work. So let's work. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.